Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
What a song. What a song. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. It is great to be with all of you. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. I hope you all are doing very well. I hope you're having a great day. Uh, we had a fantastic show last night. Amazing guests, great dialogue, and so many things established. And uh, like I do every episode, I want to thank all my audience, my co-hosts, my guests, and my sponsors. You guys are all incredible, and it just keeps getting better and better to the show. Remember, we're listened to in 23 different countries, and we're on nearly 70 online platforms. Again, that's 23 different countries and on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit our media site, thenextgenusa.com. And don't forget, we will be, in the coming weeks, announcing the, the big names that will be doing uh, shows on our site. So many notable people will be joining up my media company, and I'm very excited to share it with all of you as time gets closer. Uh, I do want, to welcome to, do want to welcome to the show we have on the line right now, we have doctor, award-winning speaker, professor, veteran, technology expert, best-selling author, and c- currently the commissioner of Parks and Recreation for Maricopa County, Dr. Bob Branch. How are you? Well, I'm doing fantastic tonight, Rory. It was a great show last night. A lot of good news things happening today, and look forward to talking to you about it. Absolutely, man. We definitely have a lot to get into. Um, also want to welcome to the show um, conservative talk show host, 2024 presidential candidate, activist, and best-selling author, the great Daryl Kane. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing awesome, Rory. Excited for a, a terrific show tonight. Thank you so much for having me on, and uh, looking forward to hearing from the rest of the panel. Absolutely. It's always a pleasure having you here. Uh, also want to welcome to the show businessman, Twitter master, activist, and political strategist, Bill Lambert. Bill, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Looking forward to a good show. Big show tonight, huh? Oh, yeah, big one, big one. Great to have you here. Also want to welcome to the show the founder of Republicans United, founder of College Republicans United, and currently the leader of Nationalists United, Kevin Dukeyper. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing very well, Rory. I'm so excited for this show, and it's going to be greater and better than ever. Thank you, man. I, I'm excited as well. It's going to be a great show. So, Everybody, I want to I want to get into our opening story. You know, uh, obviously we heard about this news when late, like last night when we had we already were on the air. I think it was like the middle of the show. Uh, I announced the breaking news of William Barr uh, hiring a special prosecutor uh, who's out of Connecticut, and apparently this prosecutor is one of those guys that is not is the least corrupt. Nothing about him is corrupt. He's a law and order kind of guy. He's he's gotten a lot of innocent people out of bad situations. You can go look up his, his track record. Um he he definitely has a huge resume and, and a background that is something to be overly impressed with. 
to feel very satisfied with. He's definitely not the type of guy that can get bought out or manipulated by any of these deep state operatives. He actually was one of the guys that took down a, a Mueller situation years ago in Boston. Uh, there were prisoners, and, and there were people, some of them were on death row, and Mueller, uh, they knew, a lot of these people knew these guys didn't do it and were innocent, and Mueller and people like Bill Weld were involved. He was governor of Massachusetts at that time. And what happened was you had this prosecutor, this amazing guy who Barr just hired, came and got these guys off death row, got them out of prison, got, basically defeated Mueller. This, what we have right now, everybody, this is like a godsend. I am loving every second of Attorney General Barr. Like I said yesterday, he's got ball, giant brass balls. This guy, nothing intimidates him. And he's so firm and direct and disciplined. And, you know, you know, months ago, three months ago when he was coming in, you know, I, I had a good feeling about him. And there were certain people that uh, questioned it. And I can understand why. He was a, uh, a DC insider for many years. He knows a lot of these characters that are crooked. Um, but I will tell you, uh, Bill brought up a great point yesterday. If, if they, they, Barr would have never opened this if there wasn't something there. Obviously, there's something huge there that's significant, which is why he's bringing, like, the top dog prosecutor on to uh, really find out what the hell's going on with this uh, FBI um, Russian collusion, the Russian collusion hoax. We gotta, we gotta get to the bottom of this. This is about ethics. This is about morality. This is about rule of law, and this is about doing things the right way. Not letting people get away with all this crap. And you know, President Trump earlier today, he uh, praised um, Barr. Uh, here's what he had to say. And the he praised Barr and the. Uh, efforts uh, taken and the, and the protocol taken in this witch hunt investigation of why it started at one five. Very well, by every measure, we're having probably the greatest economy that we've had anywhere, anytime in the history of our country. We're having a little squabble with China because we've been treated very unfairly for many, many decades for actually a long time. And it should have been handled a long time ago, and it wasn't, and we'll handle it now. Uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to turn out extremely well. We're in a very strong position. We are the piggy bank that everybody likes to take advantage of or take from, and uh, we can't let that happen anymore. We've been losing for many years anywhere from $300 billion to $500 billion a year with China and trade with China. We can't let that happen. The relationship I have with President Xi is extraordinary. It's really very good, but he's for China and I'm for the USA, and it's very simple. Uh, we are, uh, again, in a very, very strong position. They want to make a deal. It could absolutely happen, but uh, in the meantime, a lot of money is being made by the United States, and a lot of strength is being shown. This has never happened to China before. Our economy is fantastic. Theirs is not so good. We've gone up trillions and trillions of dollars since the election. Uh, they've gone way down since my election. So uh, that's the way it is. That's the way it stands. We're going to do very well. Yeah. Are you, are you, 
Well, you never can say that, but we're doing very well. We're doing, I think we probably have the greatest economy that we've ever had. Employment numbers came out, as you know, they're uh, record levels in almost every category. African-American, the best in history. You take a look. Hispanic-American, the best in history. Yesterday, Asian-American numbers came in. They are the lowest in history, the history of our country. Uh, women, I think it's 61 years, and soon that'll be historic, too. So that we are doing, and as far as employment numbers, we have the uh, most people working today in the United States that we've ever had before, almost 160 million people. So it's really good. You got a machine over there. No, I wouldn't. Call, I, we have a very good dialogue. We have a dialogue going. It'll always continue. But we made a deal with China. It was a deal that was a very good deal. It had to be a good deal. Otherwise, we're not making it. Because we've been down so low in trade, and other presidents should have done this a long time ago. We can't just make a good deal. And I told that to President Xi. But we had a deal that was very close, and then they broke it. They really did. I mean, more than just more than renegotiate, they really broke it. So we can't have that happen. No, I didn't ask him to do that. I didn't know it. I didn't know it. But I think it's a great thing that he did it. I saw it last night. And they want to look at how that whole hoax got started. It was a hoax. And even Mueller, not a friend of mine, even Bob Mueller came out, no collusion. And he had 18 people that didn't like Donald Trump. They were Hillary Clinton fans. They contributed, many of them, to Hillary Clinton. They came out. It was the greatest hoax ever perpetrated on the people of this country. And you know what? I am so proud of our attorney general that he is looking into it. I think it's great. I did not know about it, no. No, no, no. I wasn't surprised. But you have to understand, uh, they do $600 billion, meaning we buy $600 billion, they buy $100 billion. We have all the advantage. It's a very small factor for us. And we have a much bigger economy now. You know, since my election, we've gone up so much. We have a much bigger economy than China. Uh, but if you take a look, 600 million versus 100 million, it's a different world. Uh, we're looking at that very strongly, about the 325 billion. We're looking at it very strongly. David? I don't know anything about that. I read that probably fake news, but I read that this morning. I don't know anything about it. Well, you know, it's really uh, a tough situation because my son spent, I guess, over 20 hours testifying about something that Mueller said was 100% okay. And now they want him to testify again. I don't know why. I have no idea why, but it seems very unfair to me. Uh, I think it's fake news, okay? Now, would I do that? Absolutely. But we have not planned for that. Hopefully, we're not going to have to plan for that. And if we did that, we'd send a hell of a lot more troops than that. But I think it's just, where was that story? In the New York Times? Well, the New York Times is fake news. 
Go ahead. Vultures. Yeah. So you have no tariff to pay whatsoever if you're a business. All you have to do is build or make your product in the United States. There's no tariff whatsoever. So that really works out very well. I think we're winning it. Uh, we're going to be collecting over $100 billion in tariffs. Our people, if they want, they could buy from someplace else other than China, or they can really, the ideal is make their product in the USA. That's what I really want. Yeah, we're winning it. You know what? You want to know something? You want to know something? We always win. We always win. How are you ever? What's up? Well, I didn't understand his answer because I thought the attorney general answered it perfectly. So I certainly didn't understand that answer. I thought it was a ridiculous answer. Thank you. So there you have it, guys. Obviously, you know, he talked about other things other than the um, uh, AG bar uh, prosecutor appointment. But, uh, you know, there, there's so many things uh, with this. BS investigation. You know, there's eight questions that I think are very important that need to be asked. Number one, was a false crime deliberately reported to the FBI? That's question number one, and I think that's a very valid question. Number two, were Obama administration officials involved in passing the dossier charges of questionable political origin to the FBI or bolstering Steele's credibility to the Bureau? That's question number two. Number three, did James Comey withhold from the FISA court key information raising questions about the dossier, which was utilized as evidence in successful FISA applications to obtain successive warrants to conduct surveillance on Carter Page, a former advisor of President Trump? Question number four, who leaked a classified briefing about the dossier content to CNN? Question number five. Why were Obama and Trump, Trump briefed on the dossier in the first place, given that the questionable document was funded by Trump's primary political opponents and the FBI itself could not corroborate, corroborate the wild material? Question mark? I mean, come on. There, there's, there's stuff here that's so wrong. Number six, what role, if any, did the Obama-era Justice Department play in, in – um, God, I, I can't – I'm trying to see this right now. What, what role, if any, did the Obama-era Justice Department play uh, in the politically pinned Russian collusion narrative, pushing, pushing it? What, what, what kind of role did they play? Seriously. Number seven, was the Clinton-funded dossier utilized in the Obama-era intelligence community's assessment that Russia interfered in the 2016 presidential election? Ask yourself that question. Comey and former CIA, CIA director John Brennan gave, contradictory, gave testimony that contradicted uh, the, the facts. Uh, last one was the infamous Trump Tower meeting, a political dirty trick against the Trump campaign. You know, you have all, all of this. You even have an ex-top FBI lawyer saying on the news earlier today that the Obama administration should be worried. Yeah, there, there definitely is um, a lot going on here. Dr. Branch, go ahead. 
those are all great questions, I'll tell you. And, you know, there's there's other questions that I'd like to answer, you know, answered as well. Uh, was this the insurance policy uh, that uh, Dr. Page was talking about? Uh, you know, You're cutting out. Uh, under, I, I was just You're wanting to know if this was – yeah, I was just wanting to know if the, – the other question I'd want to know is, what, is this the insurance policy that – uh, Struck and Page were talking about, uh, and you had the deep state basically uh, trying to have a coup of a duly elected president. Uh, was this yep. all set up all the way from the very first meeting with Papadopoulos? Uh, and what I found interesting is, you know, since you announced this last night, and great breaking news, by the way, you know, good job on that. Um, you know, apparently. Uh, Durham has been appointed not just yesterday, but he's actually been working with Haspel, the CIA director, Coates, yep. Uh, yep. and Ray as well now for over a month. So, you know, this was right after uh, the release of the uh, Mueller report. And I find that really interesting because as soon as that, you know, as soon as that happened, people were saying, well, when's the next foot going to fall and uh apparently it already did a little over a month ago uh and we're just finding out about it so you know i i think that this is all good news uh yeah. i want them to get to the bottom of it you have brought up some excellent points uh look forward i i you know i, I thought daryl was going to be on on thursday night i'm glad he's here because i'm not here on thursday night so i look forward to hearing a future president's uh, point of view on this yeah, that's what I'm happened. He told me you weren't going to be on Thursday, and I said, well, if Dr. Branch isn't on, I'm not on. So I swapped, I swapped it up, so I'm doing tonight too. Um, you make some great points as always, Dr. Branch, and I, I always, always love being on here with you and Kevin and, and the rest of the crew here. Uh, this is a very exciting time because – and I was always – Remember, I'm always the one that's been kind of the Debbie Downer on this and being very pessimistic about uh, us actually taking some meaningful steps here. But from everything that we're seeing this week, I think that uh, certainly they are taking this very seriously. And it would be hard to imagine them not uncovering some very actionable offenses to go after these creeps for. So, and, and, and a great set of questions, Rory, that you introduce. And, and I think all eight of those need to be answered. There's, and there's so many more questions that we've even forgotten about. You know, we forgot to ask about how, how Hillary Clinton got the questions in advance of the presidential debate. I mean, I guess we know it came from Donna Brazil. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, how, how serious of an offense is that? You want to talk about meddling in an election? You know, Can you imagine is, we have if a Republican we, did that? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we have a commission whose job it is is to prepare a, a uh, bipartisan and impartial set of three presidential debates so that the American people can choose the president of the country. And it's yeah. not enough that they pick people like Lester Holt, who, you know, it, it just completely insult the Republican candidate and lob softballs to the Democrat, even that's not enough for them. They have to actually give her the questions in advance. It's appalling yeah. and it's disgraceful. And, and that to me is a very, a very real example of election meddling. So I want to get into that stuff. I want to get into all the stuff before Russia. I want to get into Hillary Clinton's real crimes. 
I want to get into the the tremendous rap sheet of Barack Obama's treasonous activities, both before and after his administration. I mean, I, I, I'd still like to find out about his birth certificate. I, I'd yep. still like to get to that stuff. So I think that we're just, just beginning this process, and there's so many things to go after them on. The entire Democratic Party, as we discuss here night and night out, is itself an, an abject group of, of treason. I mean, this is what this is. This is a, an organized cabal of traitors. So once we start investigating, there's a long way to go, and I, I think that we need to be completely aggressive on this and do absolutely everything within our power to tear these people down, especially now while we have the authority to some degree of the federal government behind us. You're absolutely absolutely right, absolutely. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show – um, very, very talented guy, a veteran network and security director and founder of mainwashed.com. Again, that's mainwashed.com. He's doing some big things right now. Uh, I do want to welcome Paul and uh, Paul B. Paul, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, Rory. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, so much to get into tonight. Um, we have a lot. We have a lot to talk about. I, first, I want you, since it's your first, obviously it's your first time on, uh, I want you to kind of, well, actually, I, I got to get to that in a little bit because we're on, we're on a, a kind of a schedule right now. But what are your thoughts on, on all this? What are your thoughts on uh, the, the situation, the, the special investigation going into the Russia hoax? Yeah, um, actually, that was what uh, my video for mainwashed.com uh, uh, was about today. Uh, the appointment of of John Durham for this, so yeah. I'm I'm really excited about it. Uh, apparently, the guy's a complete pit bull, and uh, he's got yep. a track record of going after corrupt FBI and national security officials. So uh, th- this whole thing's very exciting. Uh, I I am kind of cautiously optimistic though, be, you know I I I just I really want to see some arrests here because me too, amen. After all. I was just going to say, after all of the scandals uh, that we saw uh, under President Obama, um, you know, IRS gates, uh, Fast and Furious, uh, Benghazi, all that stuff, and literally nobody going to jail, it, it, it's, a lot of people have lost, lost faith in the Department of Justice to do the right thing. So it, it'll be nice if we could actually see some people put behind bars. You're absolutely right, and you know what? There needs to be uh, an example, an example uh, set for, for this kind of nonsense. I mean, these people have to pay the price. I mean, they can't just walk free and, and you know get away with all this nasty stuff. It's terrible. It, 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 it's you know these people aren't above. They're not supposed to be above anyone else. There's no doubt about that, and they've they've abused their power for so long. And it, it's disgraceful. It really is. Um, Bill, Bill, go ahead in Texas. Bill, go ahead. Well, yeah, and we, we can't forget about Washerman Schultz and those, those IT guys that had access to all the Democratic Party uh, computers. You know, that, that, you know, she was wanting to keep the, the computer, and we still haven't seen DNC computers. And I, I think it was brilliant of Barr to appoint this guy – like I said, this guy has a background in in intelligence agencies and the FBI and the CIA and, and going after the corruption within those. 
So he knows how the wor- the system works. So they, they can't fool him. They can't, you know, make things out to be one thing because he's going to know that they're not. And I, I think, you know, and, and the reason he's been, I think it's been about a month now where he's been working with these, these the attorney generals and, and other investigators is I think Barr came in, sat down, reviewed the, the material from Mueller, looked all over that and said, this is just not right. There's something wrong here, uh, yep. you know, and he's not a guy that cares about politics like Mueller and all the rest of them. He, he sees things right. in black and white. He's a very, he's a, Barr is really a kind of a real common sense guy. He's a brilliant guy, but he's really kind of common sense. And I think you're going to see some, a lot of subpoenas in the next four to six weeks of smaller people, and then it's going to start working up. And you have people like Yates. That, that was in the Obama administration and Rice yeah. and yeah. Garrett and all these mm-hmm. people. And I guarantee you that, that when they get up to the third or fourth rung of this ladder, of a, maybe a mm-hmm. ten-rung ladder, when they get on two or yeah. three rungs, these people are not going to go to prison for the rest of their life for Hillary Clinton and Obama and, and all the right. rest of them. They're just not going to do it. That's not human nature. And they're going to cut a deal. And it's you know there's not going to be any of this two weeks like Papadopoulos or anything else. They might still have to serve four or five years, but they're not going to serve 25 to life. And it, and it's going to go back to where you know it just depends how nuts Clinton is because she made that yeah. statement. You know if I go down, everybody's going down. Now I don't know how yeah. that, but it, it you know I mean you, this could always reach all the way into murder with Seth Rich. Um, yeah. You know it, yeah. a guy that gets you know so it, it's. It's about to get real, real fascinating, and, and I think you're going to see a major – you're going to see – and that's going to be Trump's greatest accomplishment. When he's out of office, is the, 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 the history is going to read that he really did drain the swamp. He really yeah. did go after the corruption and take it out. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, go ahead, and then we've got to go to a commercial, and then we've got to introduce uh, leader of Walkaway, Brandon. But uh, Kevin, go ahead. Well, so many fantastic and very important points have been brought up, and it's almost like the deep state is so deep. It's just how far do you, uh, can we go, and uh, where do we even begin? It's It's been discouraging up, up until this point that we've gone absolutely nowhere, even as far as uh, prosecuting or even starting to really investigate the whole Clinton scandal with her email yeah. servers. And so at least with this uh, prosecuting uh, attorney, John uh, Durham, uh, ha- is going to be a very promising endeavor in uh, starting to review and also even have a chance of uh, prosecuting all these people. So uh, I mostly got to say that it's uh, very encouraging, too, that we now have uh, William Barr, our attorney general, is working so closely in collaboration uh, with not just uh, Durham, but also, I mean, many other figures, too. I mean, the CIA director, uh, Gina Haspel, we have – he's also working with, like, the director of national intelligence – uh, Dan Coates, uh, also mm-hmm. the FBI director, Crystal, Christopher Way. I mean, there's all these different uh, uh, testimonials uh, that have uh, indicated this, which is promising. So, I mean, of course, we've had those uh, traitors like Peter Strasok, uh, Strasok yeah. and Melissa Hodgman, if you remember those people that had uh, yep. you know, reported to try to take out uh, Trump even before he was uh, elected. Uh, there's a lot of deep state actors going on right now, but uh, if these uh, very important directors actually make a, a big difference in 
bringing down this whole deep state order, I mean, that would be the, the greatest gift of them all. So I, I think we, yep. we're making a lot of lee- leeway, especially, and uh, there's uh, so much more to come. So I, it's not like yep. no like swamp monsters have been drained yet, but uh, there's a promising uh, indictment coming up if, if it all goes just right. You're absolutely right. Uh, we're going to go to a quick commercial, and we'll be right back with Brandon Straka, the leader of uh, Walk Away. Very excited. Be right back, everybody. Where can you find a burger inspired by flavors from near and far that mixes the smoky with the sass of the south? Combines the sweetness of summer with the tang of the country. For savory, sizzling, unexpected flavors. Well, you can find it at McDonald's. The new Bacon Smokehouse Burger. It's the newest flavor of the signature crafted recipes by McDonald's. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. Now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Friday's, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 23 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit my media site, dnexgenusa.com. Um, I'm very excited. Big guest tonight. Uh, before I get to my guest, I want to let everybody know again, uh, in, in the coming weeks, we will be having many notable people doing their own shows on the network, and I can't wait to reveal those details with all of you. Um, very excited. Uh, to, welcoming to the show, a uh, very popular guy, doing a lot of big things right now, activist, political commentator, and founder of the Walk Away Movement, the thing that is so popular in the media right now. Brandon, is it Struck or Straka? How do I pronounce it? Uh, so the last day is silent. It's actually pronounced Strock. Uh, well, That's it's pronounced Strock yeah. if you're a mem- yeah, if you're a member of my family. It's pronounced Straka if you're anybody else in the entire world. Okay, gotcha, man. Well, welcome to the show. It is great to have you here. I've watched so many of your videos. You're an inspiration to many. You started something that was unbelievable and turned into a world, into a whole movement. I mean, you have people talking about you even overseas. I mean, you're you're uh, you're turning into a phenomenon. I mean, you really are. Uh, you know how how did this all start for you? You know, you know what I like to ask all my guests when they first come on the show. I like to get you know uh, your life story, kind of chapters. You know, the the success. You know how how you got to where you are right now. I mean, it really is fascinating stuff, my friend. Well, thank you very much. Um, uh, yeah, it's been quite a wild ride, and, and I, I'm very um, uh, grateful and, I guess, appreciative of, of all of it because what it means is that this movement has really resonated with a lot of people and I think touched so many people and made a lot of people feel a sense of freedom that I think that they had never felt before. But it started for me as, you know, 
uh, a gay man who living in New York City who always voted Democrat, who was always a liberal. Um, I think, you know, largely because I'm gay, and I think that my minority status uh, made me naturally gravitate toward the Democratic Party because, you know, they the Democrats do a great job, I think, of marketing themselves to minorities and and communicating with them. And and frankly, I think that's a great failure of the Republican Party is the ways in which they don't even communicate with minorities. And um, but the problem is that you know it's the way in which the Democrats are communicating with minorities because they're manipulating fear and and they're manipulating. I think uh, you know. I think they're manipulating uh, the safety and secu- the, the the sense of safety and security that m- minorities are experiencing in this country. They're telling them that everybody on the right are racists and bigots and homophobes, and um, you know, and when they're when when people aren't really hearing much from the other side, they're believing it, and I certainly did. And then you know, it wasn't until uh, Donald Trump got elected, and I was horrified because I voted for Hillary and I believed the media that was telling me what a monster Donald Trump was. Um, it wasn't until after he was elected and a series of events led me to realize that the media was lying to me and manipulating me, you know, based off of who Donald Trump really is and who his supporters are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it the way the media misleads people, it, it's unbelievable because you have so many people that depend on the media for, for their information. And when they're getting misled, I mean, there are some people that pick up on the fake uh, BS, but there's so many people that are too naive and they're gullible and they're so brainwashed. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, It's like I said too. I mean, they're really only getting one side of a story because on the one hand, there's kind of the silent majority on the right who doesn't really push back much and who doesn't really pro- pro- provide the counter-narrative. And so there's only the one narrative that's, that's being echoed time and again, which is the liberal media uh, narrative of what a conservative is or what a Republican is. And, so, you know, I believed them when they said that he called – Donald Trump called all Mexicans racist or that he was anti-Muslim or, or that building a wall is, is racist or that he hates gay people, LGBT people, that, you know, I mean – I, I believed all of it. I believed that he mocked a reporter's disability, and that for me was the turning point because that was, you know, I went on social media, um, you know, asking questions of Trump supporters and saying, you know, how could you support this guy who stood before a cheering crowd and mocked a reporter's disability? And that's when somebody reached out to me with a video entitled Debunking the Trump Mocked the Disabled Reporter, which showed very clearly that that's not what happened. That in fact, you know, this is the sort of a voice and a gesture that Donald Trump has done numerous times throughout the years when he's imitating, imitating someone who's caught in a lie or doing something shady, you know. And so that opened my eyes to the the idea that the media is capable of lying. Yeah, yeah, and that, and that's the, that's the part about it is that, you know, you have all these people that are so misinformed and, you know, they think Trump is, is this terrible person and they try to compare him to Hitler, which is probably the stupidest comparison I've ever seen. If you want to compare anybody to Hitler, it's Obama. I mean, that guy, Obama divided this country more than anybody. And, you know, you have all these people that are so 
on the left that, you know, don't even acknowledge all the bad stuff Obama did to this country. And, you know, like all these people living in denial. And, you know, Brandon, I must ask, what was your turning point when you really found out? Like what was that moment where you, you know, saw an, a news story or an article or, or saw the light? Like what? explain it. Because a lot of people can't well, get out I mean, of their funk, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, I mean, it, I mean that was kind of the beginning for me. Like I was just describing that moment when my friend sent me the the debunking, the Trump mocking, the disabled reporter video. But that sent me on kind of a long journey of of doing research, then trying to understand what it was that was happening, and and researching, you know, other incidents in which the media had lied, you know, in their narrative, and and I kind of went back and revisited everything. You know, did he really call all Mexicans racist? Did he really, you know, do all these other terrible things that they had said? And um, and and it led me kind of down this rabbit hole of many discoveries, including I, I saw scenes of um, Trump rallies during the campaign season in which groups of black people came to support him. And when they showed up, CNN would cut them out of the shot so that it appeared that only white people were at the rally, you know, and, so it, it just started to become more and more clear to me that this is a tactic that they use, you know, this tactic of people on the right only being greedy, selfish, uh, racist, homophobic, white people, um, and then they'll do anything, you know, or spend any story to continue that narrative. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, it, it's, you know, the way they divide people, you know, it, it's, it's bad stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, when – you know, coming from the env- environment that that you came from, how do your friends react? Like, like when you went to start supporting Trump, did you start losing a lot of friends and certain family members wouldn't talk to you? How what, like what was it like? Well, I mean, I, so I went on this kind of journey of research throughout most of 2017, as I was telling you, and so it took time. I mean, I made a decision to walk away from the Democratic Party and liberalism in general in March of 2017. Um, But there was a long period of time where I felt sort of just disoriented because I was like, you know, I'm not going to be, I'm sure as hell not going to become a Republican, but I'm, you know, I can't be a Democrat anymore. And then the more I read and the more I researched and the more I learned, the more I started feeling pushed. Well, I don't even, you know, I don't even know if I felt pushed. I think I just realized I kind of, to a certain degree, always was a conservative that so many of the, the things that I considered to be common sense were conservative values. And then I started to, to open my heart to Trump. And, you know, I'd say by the end of 2017, I was like, yeah, I, I, I do support President Trump, and I am on board with him. And um, so when I would speak out about that to people that I knew or even just ask them questions, I started getting attacked and uninvited to parties and unfriended on social media and nasty text messages. And people started to lie about me and and slander me and say that I was, you know, on drugs, that I was brainwashed, that I had joined a cult, that you name it. And so by 2018, I just got to the point where I said to hell with it. You know, I'm really tired of the reactions that I'm getting for, you know, when I'm not doing anything wrong, I'm just I'm just asking questions, and when I'm getting answers, um, I'm changing my mind. I'm changing my mind about what I believe and what I feel, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And so I decided to declare very publicly 
uh, around a year ago in May of 2018 that I was walking away from the Democratic Party by making a six-minute video that I put out sort of announcing everything that I felt was wrong with liberalism in the Democratic Party. And I launched something called the Walkway Campaign, encouraging other people to do exactly the same thing, to make testimonials, to tell their stories, to be um, outspoken and, and not afraid to tell the truth about why they too are walking away or why they walk with people, you know, for conservatives to tell the truth about what it means to be a conservative and why they walk with those who walk away. And, um, and it just sort of exploded. And when the campaign came out, um, you know, it became very successful very quickly. And I think that in itself angered a lot of people too. And so that also caused a sense of backlash from friends and family who knew me. And you know what? You know what I really, really do uh, admire and appreciate is the fact that you know you you when you came to the conservative side, you know everybody was so accommodating, open arms, welcomed you, and the left, the left's always complaining about bigotry and hatefulness, but they're in fascism, but they're the real fascists. If you don't agree with them, then then you're their worst enemy, and they don't stop picking on you. You know what I mean? Uh, I do know what you mean. <laughs> there's, there's um, the the tolerance and diversity of the left is only skin deep. Uh, you know, they 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 love people who look different. They love people who are different superficially, but they do not love anybody who thinks differently or has any sort of diversity of thought or p- opinion, particularly um, politically. And they. You know, you you learn the real boundaries of their superficial tolerance if you are a person of color or if you are an LGBT person who does not go along with their political ideology. They hate you most of all. Um, you know, I mean, and and they and they wish to destroy you because you are a threat to their kind of stranglehold. I think on on minority groups and the the, the classes of people that they consider to be theirs that they have ownership over. Uh, and so they really, really don't like black conservatives, LGBT conservatives, brown conservatives. They don't even like female conservatives. You know, I mean, that's, it goes completely against their narrative of the straight white male conservative that they love to hate. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And it, it's one of those things where, you know, <laughs> They're the biggest hypocrites on earth, I tell you. Um, but, you know, all this came to you so suddenly. So, like, you, you're, you, went, you went from being a hairdresser all of a sudden into a huge platform and activism. I mean, how, how does is – it, is it mind-blowing? Is it surreal? You know, one day, you know, you're working your regular job, and then the next you're doing all this activism stuff, and now you have a huge platform? Well, I mean, yes, the short answer, yes, it's absolutely surreal. But the, the real truth is, I, I, with, a, with enormous gratitude, I say this campaign has been so successful and so, I think, wanted by so many people that the amount yeah. of work that comes with it is overwhelming. Um, and, and I'm very fortunate to have a, a little, a small core team of volunteers uh, who are, are here with me, helping me. Um, every nice. step of the way, but we have so much work that none of us ever really have the time to sit around mm-hmm. patting ourselves on the back 
about you know what a, a phenomenon this has become. Um, I don't spend much time thinking about it. I'm just trying to kind of keep up with the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Um, I think it'll probably be after election day of 2020 before mm-hmm. I really have time to catch my breath and say, wow, look at what we did. Yeah, no, you're a- you're absolutely right. And, you know, I, I, uh, I want to ask you what, how many people turned out for the March, the walk away March, you put on a huge March in Washington, DC and, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands, right? A lot of people, right? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I mean, I, no, I wish, no, no, no. I, I wish that were the numbers. Um, it, it, you know, it, it, it was thousands. I mean, we had thousands. It was not, uh, even close to a hundred thousand, but I would say probably okay. somewhere in the realm of, uh, 5,000 or around there, which to me, listen, okay. I, I thought it was a complete That's and good. total That's success. Good. I was thrilled with the outcome because you have to bear in mind, I mean, at this point, uh, Walk Away was exactly five months old when we did our March on Washington. And, um, and you know, we had not spent a dime on promotion, on uh, PR firms, on, so you know, I mean, everything that we, do- we did was purely through organic growth on social media. And from me busting my butt doing uh, media interviews, uh, radio interviews, uh, podcasts. And by that point, we'd caught the attention of Fox News. So I was able to get on there regularly and, and talk about the campaign. And, you know, but um, we were so pleased and so proud to have thousands of people come from all across the country to, to march with us and to share in our message and our movement. Um, you know, and one day I hope that we have a, a march of hundreds of thousands. I think that would be incredible. But believe me, we are ecstatic and so proud that we had the turnout that we did. Well, yeah, I mean that that is that is really good, and you know, it was all it was on the news. And you know what I find really amazing is the fact that you got a shout out from the president of the United States on Twitter. Uh, what, what was that moment like? I mean, that probably has to be the most surreal thing on earth. Like, wow. Like he doesn't just do that for anyone. It it was an incredible moment. It remains, you know, I believe it or not, it's actually hard. (laughs) What's that? I said, frame it. Oh no! It, it's I had it made into my iPhone case. My iPhone case has the president's <laughs> tweet. Um, I do. Uh, I do have a uh, a version of it that is being kind of framed as something that can be mounted, like or you know that will sit on my desk. Um, that's in the process of happening. Um, yeah, I mean it was absolutely one of the absolute greatest honors of this entire experience uh, of of running this movement. Um, that being said, there have been multiple uh, things that have been surreal. I mean, the day that Roseanne Barr called me on the phone was pretty surreal. You know, the day that the wow. president tweeted about me was pretty surreal. Um, you know, and those are the really sort of like pinch yourself, like amazing, crazy moments. But the truth is this movement has always been about the people. It's always been about the voices of common, everyday Americans who lost their voice who got forgotten about, who got steamrolled over by an administration who didn't care about them and, and, and didn't care if they, they lived or not. 
um, yeah. who didn't care if they had a voice or not. And to me, the greatest pleasure and the greatest honor of this movement has been seeing the testimonials of everyday Americans who say for the first time in years, I feel hope again. I feel like I have a voice. I feel like I count. I feel like I matter. And honestly, that to me has been the greatest experience of this, greater than any tweet or any phone call by any celebrity or any famous person, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and Brandon, you started an unbelievable trend. You had, after you put out your walkaway video, you had all these people doing walkaway videos and it was, it, it created this huge, uh, like I said, trend and, and it was just like very popular. Uh, explain that for me. Uh, explain the feeling or explain the testimonials. Well, just, just how, it, it, just how it, you know, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but right after you recorded your first walk away video, then there were many people that followed, correct? Yes. I mean, that's what, when I started the campaign, I, that's what it, I encouraged people to make video testimonials um, and to use the hashtag walk away. And I created a Facebook group called the Hashtag Walkaway Campaign. And that's yeah. where I asked people to house these, or, you know, to upload these testimonials where they would be housed. Um, and as of now, of course, they exist on, uh, people have them on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube, um, on Facebook. They're everywhere. But, uh, yeah, I mean, after I put out my video on May 26th of last year, people started putting out their own videos, uh, which is exactly what I wanted the campaign to be, Uh for a network of support of people coming together, of, uh, of people telling their stories and telling their truths and setting themselves free uh, from of walking away from the Democratic Party, or you know, for people who are always a conservative to also make their testimonials reclaiming the narrative of what it really means to be a conservative in America. And uh, you know, at this point, we have thousands of testimonials. I mean, there are videos, there are written testimonials, there are. They exist on all social media platforms. I mean, for anyone who doesn't know about us, um, after you finish uh, listening to this program, please Google hashtag walk away. Go on YouTube. Go to our website, website walkawaycampaign.com, and see these incredible stories of people just telling their, their truth and telling their story about why they're walking away. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And, you know, one of the biggest myths and lies that, you know, that, that's in the LGBTQ people, most of them think that Republicans hate gay people, but that's not, that's, that's so far from the truth. And, you know, I, I wish, I wish more had the, the mindfulness and, and the, the collective and understanding mindset you have. And, you know, I mean, a lot of a lot of the uh, it's so jaded that, that they think, you know, uh, all Republicans are against them. It's which it, it's so far from the truth. I'm sure you know a lot of people that have that mindset, right? I think that the whoops, I think the majority of LGBT people feel that way. Yeah, and yeah. but you know, we're trying to make a big difference. Um, well, there are several things that you know, will change that ultimately. One is for conservatives to continue making their testimonials in the Walkway campaign and saying you know, what they've been saying, which is that they, they want to embrace 
minorities, LGBT people, black people, Hispanic people coming over to the Republican side, yeah. that there is a seat at the table for minorities yeah. in conservatism and in the Republican Party. But also we in the walkway campaign are now, uh, you know, we've gone so far beyond social media and this just being a, a Facebook or a Twitter movement. I mean, this is real boots on the ground nationwide activism that we're doing and we're crossing the country now uh we're going into predominantly liberal uh cities and states and neighborhoods and we're having open discussions with people we're doing town halls all across the united states uh we're doing town halls for the lgbt community for the black community we'll be doing them for the jewish community for hispanic people and 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 also just events that are open of course for all people we want all people to come but we're going into the lgbt community and we're We, those of us who are in the LGBT community who have walked away, are, you know, having an open dialogue with people in our own community and asking, listen, guys, is what we've been believing for so long true? Is this serving us well to continue to believe this? Do we really want to reject having a a choice and and being a a full participant in the American political um, experience? You know, I mean, do we want to just be compelled to only be able to vote Democrat, or do we want to have a choice? And in order to have a choice, we're going to have to cast away old beliefs or, you know, um, uh, grievances and and, and, and um, painful experiences that we've had in the past with conservatives and Republicans and say, this is 2019, the world has changed, I think people have moved on, and it's time for us to let go of the past. And, and embrace the fact that, you know, we have – it's a new day and we have a new experience and that we have a choice. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Very well said. Uh, Dr. Branch, Dr. Branch, go ahead. First of all, I you know, I, I want to say I'm a huge fan. Um, you know, I've I seen, you know, a couple interviews that you have done, um, you know, and after CPAC and – you know, on Fox, and uh, a little bit about me. I teach at the number one, number two Christian universities in the world. I teach at Liberty University and over at Grand Canyon University, and I teach leadership, business, and technology to the doctorate level. In my leadership classes, we always talk about character, and something that you struck me when I listened to you is you have a courageous character, man. And, I, and and to me, that's the definition of bravery. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm a huge fan. When I heard you talk in one of your interviews, you were talking about how the left are deliberately. Dr. Brent, you cut out for a second. Oh, I'm sorry. Can now you hear me? Good. Now you're good. Now you're good. Yep. Okay. In one of your interviews I heard you give, you were talking about how the left or the liberals want to make you uh, into a victim. Every time it's victim, victim this, victim that. And it it was great because you just said, I'm not a victim of anything. And to me, that is bravery. And I'm I'm so proud of what you're doing. Um, When Steve Harvey, uh, when President Trump was elected, one of the things, and I like Steve Harvey, man. I think he's a great entertainer. He went up to see the president. The president invited him, and he was shamed by the left and the Hollywood elite. And they said, well, why did you go see that man? And he said, because he's my president. I was asked to do that. 
And to me, that, that just showed like your movement is so valid. And I think what really makes your movement great and the reason why I would embrace the heck out of it is because it is pure. It is honest. There, there is nothing there but being pure. And to me, that's the, one of the reasons you have so much success in it. It's your, it's your courage of character, but it's also it, the purity of the movement. And just walk away. And, and to me, we need that in Arizona. I live in Arizona. We need that in Arizona uh, because we have many people right now that are, you know, believing what they hear from the liberal media about President Trump and not what they actually see with their eyes. And to me, that is, that, it, it is mind-blowing. We need somebody like you to come out here. Now, Dr. Kelly Ward, she's the head of the AZGOP. She should be working with you right now on how to get your message out. I don't know if you have a super PAC. Maybe you can talk about this, uh, talk about how you're raising funds, talk about how we could get your involvement out here because we can't let this, uh, we can't let the people believe what the left is telling everybody. So I, I just want to say, Brandon, I'm a huge fan. Keep on doing what you're doing. I think you are so brave. You, you have courage of character and it's an honor to speak with you tonight. Wow. Well, thank you so, so much for all of that. Um, first and foremost, thank you so much for your kind words and your compliment. That means a lot to me. And I, I really, really, truly appreciate that. Um, in terms of some of the points that you made, uh, well, let's start with the victim thing. Um, absolutely is a crucial technique and tactic of the left that they need to, they, they need to do that. Otherwise, uh, you know, they, they can't survive without continually telling minorities in America that they have, that they, the system is rigged against them that there is an unfair disadvantage which will not allow them to succeed and to prosper and to have the same opportunities in America that other people have, that they are hated on the right, uh, that they're not wanted, that they'll never be able to break free from this perpetual state of victimhood. And it is so toxic and it is so divisive and it is so destructive, I think, to the psyche of anybody who feels like they are different or that they are other than somebody else or a majority in this country. Uh, one particularly nasty side effect of it, I think, is that this is how they're also able to not only control minorities, but to perpetuate the narrative of the greedy, selfish, straight white male on the right. Because just like you said with your example of Steve Harvey, they shame minorities who stray away Anybody who's black, brown, LGBT, etc., who decides to think for themselves, who decides to have the strength or courage of their own convictions and make their own choices, they attack them. They shame them. And by doing that, they silence into suppression the majority of people who are minorities who might want to leave. And that's why you see so many white men in the Republican Party. It's not because white men don't want anyone else to come over and be Republicans. It's because the Democrats have shamed and bullied people 
of color or LGBT into staying on the left. And then, the, and then they point at them and they say, see, they hate you. They don't want you over there. Well, that's not true. You just shamed everybody who even thought about possibly going over there. And um, uh, now I've forgotten the other things that you said. <laughs> but thank you very much because um, I, I, I really do appreciate – um, I was I really talking about also it. how about something like super PACs? How are you being funded? Oh, how can we yes. get your involvement out here in Arizona? Yeah, probably the most important thing. You're saying tell people how they can support you, and I'm like, oh, I forgot what you were saying. Um, yeah. So, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Let me first of all touch on one thing that you said that I think is very important. You said something about you're not sure if. Uh, so-and-so had reached out to me. You know, it's been incredibly disappointing to to see the ways in which the Republican Party has failed to communicate with minorities in America or people that are are typically voting Democrat. And I think that what has been created here, the walkaway campaign, is a gift. I think it is the goose laying the golden egg for the Republican Party. And it is unbelievable how even still Republicans have failed to embrace this gift that's being given to them. I mean, I have heard to nothing from anybody in the Republican Party about how they can support this movement, how they can support this opportunity to literally just embrace all of these people who are ready to walk away from the Democratic Party. I mean, frankly, I can't believe my phone is booked from people in the Republican movement saying, what can we do to make this a powerful movement going into 2020 and bring all these people over to our side? For anybody who's listening who does want to, to really get involved and embrace what we're doing, go to walkawaycampaign.com. Uh, there's, uh, there's options there about how you can get involved with the movement, how you can volunteer if you'd like to volunteer. And first and foremost, yes. we're a grassroots organization who needs funding. Uh, there's a donate yes. button there. Please donate to our cause because we're not just – I say with you know, as much humility as I can, I think we're the hardest working activists in the, in the business right now. I mean we are literally going around the country, uh, state to state. We're doing these town halls talking to the different minority communities that, again, the Republican Party is not connecting with. Uh, we, we are changing voter registration at our events from Democrat to Republican. I mean, we're, we are literally doing that. We've got the numbers to see people who are changing their minds after we deliver our message. We're creating educational videos. We're doing town halls. Uh, we've, we're building a website that is dedicating to educating people about why they should walk away. Uh, we've created state groups in all 50 states with leadership and, and, uh, and two, two areas beyond the, the 50 states. Um, and I think that the – the ways in which we're communicating with people, I think the message that we're delivering, I think the way that we're delivering the message is really resonating with people. And I think that people who have money or power or clout in the Republican or conservative movement who are not calling us or embracing us are making a really big mistake. I, I, I hope that people will really reach out and take advantage of this gift that's being given to them right now because the walkway campaign – uh, it, it is is vulnerable like anything else. I mean, it could fail or it could, it, it could succeed, and it certainly doesn't need to fail. 
Uh, it has everything that it needs to survive if people embrace us and support us. Yeah, very, very well said. Uh, Daryl, Daryl, go, oh, go ahead. The only person I, I – hey, Brandon, it's really exciting to have you on here. I started talking, but I guess I was still muted there. Yeah, you said uh, Straka. There was a hockey player growing up, Barton Straka. Is that uh, is that a Czech last name? You know, I, we think it's a German last name, but it's a little uh, it's a little up in the air. I mean, um, we do, we don't know for certain, and it, it for some reason I have this uh, mysterious silent letter at the end of my name, and and there are no silent yeah. letters in the German language. Um, it has been considered that perhaps we are Czech, but we're not. <laughs> we think we're German. Yeah. Yeah, great, great hockey player from, from uh, the Czech Republic with the same, but it was pronounced Straka. It wasn't, wasn't silent in that case. But, uh, yeah, obviously we're all very big fans of your work, and you've done such tremendous things. And, and uh, welcome, welcome to the club. Welcome to conservatism. And I definitely wanted to dig in on a couple things with you. I think kind of, an, and, and you can correct me if I'm not articulating this correctly, but but I think you you kind of got a little bit of um, of a, a little bit of a, a little small dose of truth. And once you start getting a little bit of truth in your life, it starts to take over, and you start to realize all of the lies of the left, and it quickly unravels. The, the technical term for this is, you know, you got red pilled basically. But um, I, I wanted to ask you, and that now as you're moving into more of a truth-based circle, one of the things about conservatism that's a little bit different from progressivism, progressivism is, is sort of about uh, enabling comfort in where we're at with our lives. And, and conservatism sometimes challenges us and challenges us to change ourselves and to, and to rise up and to become uh, better and something more and to sort of rise above our past and I just kind of wanted to ask you in your, in your personal experiences, have you, have you felt yourself sort of changing and evolving in conjunction with your evolving political views? Oh, I definitely think that I, oh, for sure. I mean, I've changed in, in numerous ways. Um, I think that, you know, I think that before I did sort of feel, you know, it, one one way is that I, I used to feel so sort of outnumbered by what I perceived to be the animosity directed towards me as a gay man by Republicans mm-hmm. and conservatives that I oftentimes wouldn't even really engage. Uh, you know, I sort of just quarantined myself in a very liberal environment and a very kind of, you know, progressive environment. And now mm-hmm. that I understand <clears throat> the level at which, please forgive me, I'm getting over a cold, so I'm doing a lot of coughing. But um, oh, it's yeah, the level at, it's been going around, brother. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off. <laughs> I, I, I'm on the mend, but I still got a little bit of a cough hanging on. Um, the ways in which uh, I have been embraced and 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 loved and and, and accepted and supported by conservatives have shown me that um, it's kind of worth it for me at times to sit through some of the discomfort that I feel when I'm having conversations with people and we don't agree. Um, and that's an mm-hmm. interesting, thing too, interesting thing, too, because uh, largely, certainly not on every single point, but liberals 
mm-hmm. are very much about groupthink, and they're very much about kind of a tribal mentality, whereas within the conservative movement, there is there are a lot of areas in which conservatives don't agree with each other. And that right. has been an interesting experience getting used to that because sometimes I'm sitting with a fellow conservative and I start feeling uncomfortable when they're saying something that I don't agree with. And then I kind of remind myself, well, that's okay. I mean, I'm no more or less conservative than somebody else just because we don't agree on a certain issue or have the same stance on something. I'm still just as conservative as I was before, and they're still just as conservative as they were before. We just don't agree on that issue. And so, I mean, that's been an interesting sort of, I think, growth experience for me is, is knowing that I can fit through that discomfort of disagreeing with somebody and come out the other side of it and not have, you know, a hatred or hostility um, towards the other person. And and to be perfectly honest, there are some conservatives, and not the majority, I don't think, but there are some conservatives who have that rigid all-or-nothing mentality too, and I just don't tolerate it. I mean, I've had people say to me, well, you can't be a conservative if you believe this, or you, you can't be okay with this or believe this and still be a conservative. And I say, uh, watch me. Yeah, I sure can. And and if that's the mm-hmm. way you're going to be, then you know maybe we weren't meant to be friends. Or you know, and that's fine. But it's, uh, you can't, you don't have the right to tell me what I can or can't believe, and still be a conservative. That's not how it works. Mhm, mhm. Yeah, I think you're definitely touching on something that there's a lot more open dialogue, and and you know that adults can have disagreements, and they can still be respectful about it. And in the Democratic Party uh, conversation, you know, isn't allowed. I, I would imagine. Probably, or I should ask you. I mean, would would you like to see same-sex marriage be something that's embraced by the Republican platform? Is that something that you would like to see happen? No, um, I, it's not that I don't want that. It's that I don't care. Um, mm-hmm. for me, same-sex marriage is something that I always fought for uh, because I feel like it uh, it, it doesn't make sense to me to be opposed to it. Um. I, I mm-hmm. think that for a gay couple to be able to go to City Hall and sign a civil marriage contract to spend the rest of their lives together, the same way that an opposite-sex couple does, um, I don't understand the harm that that does to anybody. I don't see why anything that somebody else would bother to care about. Um, yeah. And the Supreme Court agreed with me in 2015 and decided that that would be the law of the land. And And for me, that's the end of it. I don't it simply doesn't matter to me whether anybody mm-hmm. likes or celebrates or, or agrees with, uh, you know, wh- if and when the day comes that I decide to, you know, I fall in love with somebody and I go to city hall and he and I sign a civil marriage contract together. Um, if, if anybody Republican Democrat, or, or otherwise doesn't uh, approve of or celebrate or, or accept my marriage, I don't really care. It just doesn't matter to me. Um, I just want to be able to have the same rights under the law to do that, and I have that now. So it, it, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter to me if Republicans adopt that or not because it's, it's, it's written law at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good points on that. And you know, one other thing I wanted to key in on too, um, I think one of the neat things about your message and, and the term that you use is sort of the, the shaming of white men. And I think you're, you're correct to point that out. And I want to ask you because 
you know, you, you've identified yourself as a minority, but I want to ask you, do, you, do you also identify with us white guys? And do you get a little pissed off about that too? I get very pissed off about that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I, I'm definitely a white guy. Um, and you know, I, I, I get very tired of hearing about how my white privilege is so problematic for other people and how it victimizes other people and how um, other people deserve certain things or certain treatment because of my white privilege. Um, To be really clear about that, I'm not denying that there is such a thing as white privilege. What I'm saying is that I think that there are privileges and advantages being every race for everybody. That, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that black mm-hmm. people have uh, advantages and privileges that white people don't. Um, I think Hispanic people and Asian people have their own advantages and privileges that other people don't. I think gay people have privileges that straight people don't. I think that straight people certainly have privileges that gay people don't. My question is, who decided that the privileges that white people experience? Are, are the only important experiences, uh, privileges to talk about, and that they should be um, treated with such hostility and resentment and, uh, and anger and contempt and, and, and held up in such a way that causes so much division and animosity and resentment between right. the races of people. Yeah. Um, right. And you know, the, there's always going to be a privilege and an advantage to being a majority. There just is. I mean, if you're, and the and that's true even if, um, if we're at a gay bar, and I, I, I'm assuming you guys are straight. I don't know for sure, but I'm going to assume that you are. If you guys come into that gay bar, well, I don't know about Rory. He's got a wild mouth on him. I don't know how that guy swings. I'm just well, kidding, not Rory. Rory. <laughs> Rory probably isn't, but I'm assuming that you are. So, if 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 if, uh, if you came into a gay bar, um, I in that circumstance would be more privileged than you are, because I'm in a majority, and so the the you know, the the tone of the room and the energy and the atmosphere is going to be, uh, you know, beating at a rhythm that's going to be more in alignment with what people like me are doing at that moment. And, you know, and that's just the way that it is, but that doesn't mean that I'm a bad guy or, you know, or that you're right. a victim in that situation. Right. It simply means that, you know, there is, there are more people in that circumstance who are like me than there are like you, but that doesn't mean that you're, you know, oppressed or victimized. And, um, right. And the ways that, in, in which this conversation crosses lines, it, it's just, it simply doesn't make sense because what the left would like you to believe is that simply by virtue of having black skin or dark skin, you're automatically oppressed or victimized. Now, my personal opinion is, that the the most relevant forms of privilege, I think, in in our society, are wealth privilege, and yep. people laugh people laugh when I say this, but it's I truly believe uh, attractiveness. I, I think that attractive people experience life in a way that unattractive people do not. I think more doors are open, yep. more advantages are given to attractive people, right. and I think the same is true of wealthy people. And I think that if you are a wealthy, attractive black person. You do not experience oppression in a way that most anybody – I mean, I think that if you're a poor 
unattractive white person, your life is much, much worse than if you're a wealthy, attractive black person. It's very true what you said, and I want to, I want to, you know, tell you about this whole white privilege thing. I've said many times on my show, you know, what what do you call a successful black guy? What do you what do you call a, a successful Hispanic guy? Are they Hispanic privilege? Is it black privilege? Like if they want to categorize white people that that have advantages in a certain way, you got to call the whole thing. Like they can't just half-ass it like they like they do and just blame it. Like try to use just white people when they say white privilege. I mean, it, you, just like you said, and like I've said, it's it. M- many people have privilege. It's it's not about the color of your skin, you know. Well, exactly. I mean, what I'm saying is that the color of one's skin does affect a certain type of privilege that that person has. Um, at least that's how I feel. I'm just saying I don't understand why white the, the privilege that white people might uh, experience is considered to be the only relevant form of racial privilege and why it's treated with such contempt and hostility. Uh, because essentially what the left would like you to believe is that white people are the only privileged people and that the privilege that they receive for being white is something that should be resented and fought against and destroyed and brought down. And oh, yeah. I just think that that is so racist and toxic. You're, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Uh, Mike Peters in New York. Mike Peters, go ahead. Brandon, congratulations. I mean, uh, I'm also here in New York. I'm about 30, 40 minutes north of Mordor, where you are. I'm up in Westchester County. And, uh, I'm just really grateful and happy to see that there are people that are spending the time the way you did to actually research, do the research, look into it, and realize that they've been misled. And But one thing, uh, a couple of things that I wanted to bring up is we have to recognize that there are different factions. There are different mindsets in some of these groups. The biggest thing that I've noticed with the liberals is they've turned it into almost like a religion, a cult where these people that are desperate to have a cause to champion, they embrace it. They don't even ask questions anymore. They don't do the research. They don't look into it. They accept what they're told, and they want to belong. They're desperate to belong. And if you deviate or you represent a threat, which you do, you're a threat to that mindset, then you're an enemy. You're the enemy. And it doesn't matter whether you're gay or anything else. But you are an enemy. You're, you're part of the problem, and they've labeled you. Now, one thing that I'm interested in it, uh, with all the research and everything you've done and looked at, and you've realized that you've been misled, how do you feel about the Second Amendment and gun ownership? Uh, hey, thank you for uh, thanks for the. So I uh, I'm now very much pro Second Amendment. Um, I did not used to be. Uh, I actually used to. <laughs> uh, years ago, I marched in the Gay Pride Parade uh, with a group called Gays Against Guns. Uh, yep. largely because I liked the t-shirt, um, and I, and I wanted to, uh, <laughs> a friend of mine, um, and I were going to the pride parade together and, uh, he said, I'm, I'm marching with this group called gays against guns. Do you want to join us? And I said, sure, I'm gay and I hate guns. That sounds great. And then I loved the t-shirt. So I threw it on and started marching. Um, yeah. and once, once I started really researching conservative conservatism and, and what conservatism really means and what conservatives believe, um, I realized how important and crucial our Second Amendment is. Um, 
and you'll often hear people say we wouldn't we couldn't have a first amendment without a second amendment um and you know i used to also as a liberal i used to believe kind of the the uh the narrative pushback against the second amendment as being you know hysterical gun nuts you know who are right. living in fallout shelters collecting their ammunition you know afraid of uh a tyrannical government because they're a bunch of paranoid lunatics. And I'm seeing now just how interestingly ironic that, that belief system is because it is now the liberals will tell you every day that we're living in 1930s Nazi Germany, that we have Hitler as a president. And I think to myself, well, isn't this interesting because this is literally exactly the scenario that you yourselves have spent decades making fun of conservatives and maligning conservatives that they might potentially believe that a tyrannical government could take over. And yeah. why? And they also, at the same time that they're calling Donald Trump the second coming of Hitler and that uh, he's staffing his administration with Nazis and white supremacists, they want to give their guns to these people and give up their right to self-defense. So, um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's absurd. I think it's ridiculous, and I, I'm absolutely pro-Second Amendment now. Okay, Brandon, there's a, there's a firearm owners association that's up here in another county, not far from where I am, and uh, it's going to be next week, and we're going to be uh, we're going to be addressed by one of the premier Second Amendment attorneys uh, from Westchester County. He's going to do a presentation to us, and what I can do is, if you're interested, we'd love to have you come up, and maybe even introduce yourself and listen to the presentation, and that way you can get to meet some of the people that are up there, and they're from different counties that are up here, right above, right above New York. I mean, New York City. So if you're interested, I'll get the information from uh, Rory, and I'll send you a message. And we'd what love day to have is that it. happening? What day is Next that Wednesday. Next Wednesday. I, I, I would absolutely love to join you with that. I truly would. That sounds very interesting. I'm going to be in Washington, D.C., because we're having our walk-away one-year anniversary celebration, and I'm going to be in D.C. until Wednesday. I actually fly back to, these, to New York on Wednesday night. Um, oh, okay. but I, maybe right. if you do a well, future in, event, please get in touch with me. I'd love to do that. In the future, yeah, because the the, uh, the site where we have it, they also have indoor ranges, and we'd love to take you down the range and, and put you through an NRA course for safety and everything else and get you certified. So that way it's you have a whole different perspective when you're hands-on. Literally, like what you're doing with the Republican and conservative ideals and everything, now you're hands-on with us and a lot of the things, whether it's Trump or anything else, and I applaud you for that. I really do. So across the board, this would be great to see you also on the range. So thank, thank you. you for thank everything. You. Thank you, thank yeah. you very much. And I would actually, I would love to have that experience. And if you do something like that in the future where it would work out, uh, what you can do is please go to my Twitter account, which is at uh, US Minority. That's how you can find me on Twitter. And in my Twitter bio, I have an email address. Um, and if you email well, me there, I'm, I'll, be, I'll I'm, be sure to get it. I'm, I'm Greek. I'm not high tech. Greeks, we open restaurants. I don't know what Twitter is. I've never been on it. We're, we're very low tech. You know, Greeks, we're good at opening diners and stuff like that. We're not high tech. So, <laughs> okay. All right. Perhaps you could go to walkawaycampaign.com. Could you do that? That's it. I can do that. Okay. All right. And then click Great. contact and you can get in touch with me that way. All right. Thank you so much. You'll see. Thank you. Uh, Paul, Paul, go ahead. Yeah, hey Brandon. Um, I'm, I've just been sitting here listening, and uh, your story is is very very fascinating. Uh, 
just a couple of things. One thing I wanted to point out um, that I was thinking about while you were talking, you know, Trump is the, as far as I know, he's the first pro-LGBT president to get elected. Um, Obama was kind of anti-LGBT, well, more like anti-gay marriage um, when he was elected. And then later on when the political winds changed, he he changed with them and, um, you know, and the rest is history there. And also one thing that I took away was that you were talking about how the Democrats tend to target minorities and they're very big into identity politics and they want to make everyone victims. And they, they, they do that from, you know, when kids are really young and, and it's kind of like uh, elephants when they're babies, uh, you know, trainers tie them to posts. And then when they're big elephants, they don't realize that they can rip the post out of the ground. So they, when, uh, when trainers tie big elephants to posts, they stay there because they think they have to. Um, so your movement is, is, is kind of like waking the elephants up and telling them, hey, you know, you can rip that out of the ground. So uh, it's very inspiring, your whole story. Um, one thing uh, I, I, I wanted to ask you about, though, uh, uh, maybe a week or two ago, uh, I did a video for mainwash.com on how there's a literal walkaway movement where statistics are showing that people are fleeing blue states for red states, um, you know, because apparently, you know, Democrat pol policies are, are just failing a lot of people. Uh, have you heard about that at all? And, and I just want to know what your thoughts are on that. Well, I mean, I'm hearing stories all the time about people who are fleeing uh, California and, you know, West Coast states and moving to Colorado and Texas, and um, which obviously is much to the chagrin of Coloradans and Texans who are seeing their states <laughs> going bl bluer and bluer and becoming more and more liberal and Trump deranged. Um, well, and I mean, what's interesting, too, is that they're leaving <coughs> excuse me, they're leaving. California and and uh, and some of these other places that have gone completely into the sewer because of Democrat policies, and then they're going and voting Democrats. So I mean, it's it's like they're out of the frying pan into the fire, or, or out of the frying pan and into another frying pan. I, I mean, I'm you know, so I obviously they're not getting that the problem here is liberalism. The problem is the, the Democrats. Um, and I don't know. I mean, we just have to continue to try to wake these people up. It's funny that you, yeah. you, you mentioned uh, Colorado cause I'm, I'm in Colorado and you're, you're absolutely right. We, when I, I moved out here, I, I should say I moved back here five years ago from California. I grew up here and I felt like a political refugee, uh, because I, I was, I've always been conservative. So when I finally moved out of California, I came back here. One of the first things I did was I got my concealed carry permit and I was like, you know what, finally I'm safe. And then a few months later, uh, the legislature out here voted for all these stupid, uh, you know, worthless, you know, magazine limits and, and stuff like that. And, uh, the, the one good thing that we still have here in Colorado though, are our sheriffs because none of the sheriffs in Colorado will enforce any of these ridiculous gun laws out here. So that's, that's definitely a plus for us. Oh, good. Good. 
I, uh, I, we have about two more people that want to ask you questions, Brandon, and then uh, we do got to wrap it up. But let me let me go to Bill in Texas. Bill in Texas, go ahead. Yeah, I've been a big fan of yours, Brandon. I watch a lot of your things, and I try to learn from how you you deal with people in order because that that's one of leads into my first question. Do you think there's one key thing that really switches the the you know turns the light switch on in somebody's brain? to get them to open their eyes to see what reality is, or is it a long, drawn-out process like deprogramming a cult member? Um, <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to ask, ask you was, is, you know, is, is dealing with Google and YouTube and social media and all that, is that, you know, like Game of Thrones, or, or how, how, is, how are they uh, hampering you in this endeavor? Um, well, okay, so to answer your first question, um, one thing that I like to tell people is um, that I think an effective strategy when talking to somebody who's a liberal and, and trying to have a productive conversation is to try to begin the conversation by establishing mutual core values um, and because liberals believe that they are uh, very evolved and very, uh, you know, spiritually and um, humanitarianly superior to people on the right. They think that people on the right are, are greedy, selfish, you know, uh, don't care about other people. And so I think that if you can begin the conversation by establishing, like, hey, look, um, you know, I care about all people. I care about black people. I care about gay people. I care about Hispanic people. And, you know, in fact, I care about them so much that, that's why I think it's great that, you know, uh, President Trump wants to build a wall. You know, I mean, as a, a lot of people think it's racist that he wants to build a wall. But you know what? If, if we can get a control over the amount of illegal immigrants coming into this country, the people who are going to be most positively affected by that are low-income black people and low-income Hispanic people. Those are the people who are hurt most. So, you know, if you can say to a liberal, look – I know you think that you care about black people and brown people, and I don't, but the truth is I support conservatism because of the ways that it has a positive impact on all people in this country, including the people who are hurt most, who are these racial minorities. You know, things like that that I think that you can establish to them that you're not a conservative or a Republican because you're a, a selfish, greedy white person, but because you care about other people. Because that's, liberals think that conservatives don't care about other people. And I think that if you can convince them that you do and that your policy decisions are based around that – and it, it, listen, it's true of anything. I mean the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, uh, the border wall, immigration, economy, these, there are good arguments to be made for all of those things uh, that come from the realm of helping other people you know, and helping marginalize and disenfranchise people. And, and I think that's what really appeals to liberals. Um, and well, yeah. in terms I of, think, I, well, I, I, I was going to make it. I think that the greatest accomplishments uh, in our government have been where you've had a coalition between liberal thought processes or progressive or democratic processes and and conservative processes that come together and find a commonality. And that's a, that's a key point to any negotiation is you have to find that common ground, whatever that one thing is, because that's your foundation stone, your cornerstone, and you build around from that. But today we're, we're so divided that, that, that they always go immediately to the corners and that's what you're helping combat 
is to get people back away from their, their corners and out in the middle of the ring again so you can have that discussion. But, you know, if you look out throughout the, the legislative history of the United States, you're going to see most of the biggest mistakes were made by partisan or was made on a partisan vote. And the greatest accomplishments were, were when these all these these congressmen got together and meshed their their ideas and their morals and their ideas, you know, to get to a certain goal that was to benefit the United States and its people. Sorry. Right. No, absolutely. Um, in regards to the second question, uh, you know, dealing with social media and Google and, you know, different online platforms, it's becoming increasingly difficult for conservatives. And I think that they're going to become more extreme and more, um, they're going to push more towards censoring and, and deplatforming people who don't agree with their ideology as time goes on, especially going into 2020. Um, and conservatives are going to have to come together and come up with a way to combat this uh, because it, it really it doesn't do enough good for us to sit around behind our computers, you know, complaining and crying about suppression if we're not doing anything about it. And I'm not sitting here tonight claiming to have the answer per se, but I'm saying that we, we, we've got to really look at this and we've really got to take action because liberals, liberals already control television, entertainment, movies. They control a lot of academia. They control the media for the most part. And if they completely take control of our, I mean, this is where, we get to have a voice is on the, the internet and on social media. And if they take that away, we're in big, big trouble. So we really better take this seriously and start putting our heads together and coming up with a way to fight back on this. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very well said. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, go ahead. Hey, Brandon, it's a very nice talking to you. Great work. Um, very excited. Uh, and it's been such a stimulating conversation just listening to everything that's been going on. Uh, I received an email from your team in March uh, reaching out to my uh, group I co-founded, uh, College Republicans United, about possibly visiting next uh, semester. I, I really hope that you, you can make it and see us. I mean, what you've been doing and what you stand for fits in so perfectly with the College Republicans United brand. Uh, it'd be great to have you. So, um, and I agree with you what you've been saying about how all these testimonials of the common American person has been uh, in, in their walking away process and, and how much that has really like changed their lives and opened up such so many doors for uh, not only Democrats but even conservatives. I mean, I've been following you, and my mom is especially a big fan of yours. And essentially that it's um, – it, it's been meaning uh, so much to so many people, and I, uh, especially hearing from these testimonials that uh, of the kind of experiences they're facing from the left even after their walkaway um, process. That, uh, and I know you experienced it so much uh, as is. I mean, I remember uh, reading a tweet from yours last year that had said how you had walked into a, a camera store and you wanted to buy a camera, but then the, the store refused service to you because they called you uh, an alt-right and uh, that you're going to use it for alt-right purposes, which is obviously absurd and laughable. So, I mean, I, I would love to hear about uh, any of your uh, experiences in general about uh, just essentially being called like some sort of like radical or extremist or how your views may be dangerous because you're, you're moving to the right and you're opening up other people's minds to the, the possibility that they would be better off in the right. 
Um, could you tell me your name again? Your first name? Oh, Kevin. Kevin. Um, yes, I believe that we, uh, someone on my team and I, uh, were talking with you guys and please keep in touch with us about that because I'm very, uh, serious about getting on as many college campuses as possible. Um, I just had my first college speaking experience at uh, Trinity College, uh, which is Tucker Carlson's alma mater in uh, Connecticut. And um, that was an amazing experience. And I would love to work with you any way I can and be uh, connecting with as many young people on college campuses as possible. So please continue to keep in touch with us about that because I think it's really important. And I definitely want to do that. Um, in Absolutely. Terms of uh, ASU is the, oh, the biggest uh, campus in the whole country, so I, I think it would be uh, yep. quite exciting for not just the students, but just people around. <laughs> yeah, if, if, you, if you wouldn't mind, um, when we get off the interview, go to my Twitter uh, bio, and there's an email address there in my Twitter bio. Uh, shoot me another email tonight, and let's, let's pick up the conversation on that. I would love that. Oh, very well, yes. Cool. So um, in, in response to your, your question, uh, I mean, there have been a number of different things from me wearing my uh, Make America Great Again hat at the airport and having a, a young lady who considered herself a very important model uh, uh, literally assaulting me, uh, but harassing me and then physically assaulting me in the airport for wearing my MAGA hat. Uh, to the camera store incident, to, uh, uh, well, you know, one of the things that we're doing with the, the walkway campaign now is our town halls, and uh, we spent a lot of time and money uh, and resources putting together an LGBT town hall in New York City at the LGBT Center, and um, uh, a petition was drawn up against us by a number of different leftist groups, including the Democratic Socialists of America and several other uh, extremist left organizations and LGBT organizations, and then eventually it made it into the media and uh, sources like Vice and uh, Out Magazine and Advocate Magazine, et cetera, did stories about Walkaway and the people on my panel calling us uh, white supremacists, uh, 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 what, what did they say? White, white nationalists, white supremacists, uh, dangerous to the LGBT community. And ultimately, they succeeded in getting our event canceled. The, the venue, which was the LGBT Center of New York, canceled us and released a statement saying that they agreed with the findings in the, 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 uh, the petition in the magazine. And um, so we ended up having to scramble and find a new venue, and we did save the event, which turned out to be very successful. But... Um, yeah, I mean, this, these are common tactics uh, of the left, the threats, the bullying, the, uh, the boycotting, the blacklisting, the intimidation. I mean, I think we've all experienced it in our own way, um, and I think that the more you become an effective voice in this movement, the more that they, they wish to suppress you and do you harm. I'm frankly surprised I haven't been banned on social media yet, but I'm sure that won't be far away. I hope that that's not the case, but it certainly could be. Right. Well, thanks for your words. Last well, person, um, Mar Maria, go ahead. Hi, Brandon. 
Uh, I wanted to tell you that uh, Brett Easton Ellis just wrote a book called White, and Matt Drudge posted about it, and he's talking about, like, uh, gay liberals and gay conservatives fighting in um, L.A. It's pretty funny. But my question is, who do you think has the best hair in politics? (laughs) I love that question. Uh, First of all, um, that book, I'm actually mentioned in that book. Um, I haven't read it yet, but people have been sending me the excerpt. Um, He does uh, several pages where he talks about Walk Away, the Walk Away campaign, and describes uh, me and the movement. And I'm very excited to read it. But, um, yeah, I'm actually mentioned in that book, which I think is awesome. Um, I'm going to exclude myself from the question about the best hair in politics. Um, because I don't think if I included myself, I don't think I could be um, uh, objective. But uh, I will say, uh, myself excluded, I think the best hair in politics would probably go to. Hmm. Oh, give me a second. I can do this. I can do this. Tough one. You know, I really like Joy Vila's style, and Joy Vila always has really cool hairdos and and cool looks. Um, so I can say mm-hmm. her. I'm trying to think of a guy who I think. Um, I hate to say it, but Donald I feel like Trump? Milo's hair could really use a lot of work. What's that? Uh, Donald Trump has good hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. President Trump definitely has very unique hair. I don't know that I would say it's the best, but it is certainly very, very unique. Um, <laughs> yes. Tucker Carlson has good know, hair, just... too. Who's that? Tucker Carlson. He does. Tucker has great, uh, great hair, and I love, um, I love Tucker. I think he's, he was very influential in helping me change my mind about a whole lot of issues. He's very smart. He's yeah, not he just is. a pretty uh, head of hair. He's also, also smart do you guy. know uh, Milo Yiannopoulos? Have you worked with him? Uh, we haven't worked I together, would, but we have. I think he met. would do good with him, like uh, on his radio show. That would be. Yeah. Well. The, Unfortunately, I had to kind of give up on Milo. Um, we we met each other in December. We we had a great time together. We exchanged phone numbers. We kind of kept in touch, texting. And he um he he comes and goes. He disappears and then he returns and then he disappears and he returns. And um I, I really wanted to work with him and I felt like uh I agree with you. I felt like there were some really cool things we could do together. Um, but I guess I don't think he's really in a place in his life right now where he's able to be consistent. Um, and, and, and so he just hasn't really been present to be able to collaborate with me on anything, but, um, I hope that changes because I would love to do something with him. Absolutely. And, and Brandon, I, uh, I want to thank you for coming on. It's been fantastic having you here. Um, please tell, please, please promote yourself. Tell everybody where they can connect with you, find all your inform- information to, uh, with your walk away campaign. And please uh, to explain a little bit about your show. I know you have a show as well. Um, well, the uh, people can find out about the walk away campaign by going to walkawaycampaign.com. I definitely encourage them to click join the movement and which will lead them to our Facebook page where the group all began um, join that that Facebook group. That's where you're going to be with hundreds of thousands of, of patriots in the walkway campaign and see all those incredible testimonials and be a part of the discussion and the movement and all the incredible, exciting things that we're doing and, and things that are coming up. Um, I also encourage them to donate. Uh, there's a donate button right there on the front page. 
We're a grassroots organization that could use all the help we could get. So if people would contribute to our campaign, that would be incredible. Uh, if people want to follow me on social media, they can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook by looking up uh, my handle, which is at US Minority. And uh, I do have a show called Walk Away with Brandon Strock, which is on YouTube. Um, people can find that if they go to my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash US Minority. Uh, we haven't been doing any new episodes for a while now, but we will be getting back into it soon and doing more interviews on the hashtag Walk Away with Brandon Strock show. Excellent. Uh, Brandon, it was such a pleasure, man. And I wish you the best of luck. And I, I'm rooting for you. I, you know, I'm a big fan. I love what you're doing. And uh, I hope to have you back soon. I, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Absolutely. Well, it was, it was, a, it was a real pleasure and uh, thank you for coming on and uh, yeah, I'll uh, let's try to get you back soon. Sounds great. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. Take care, Brandon. Bye-bye. Great, great guest. Great, great guest. He did, uh, he did fantastic. Uh, we will go to commercial and we will be right back everybody. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people add changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRace Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaceSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office 
using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 23 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or any 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit our media site, the next, N-E-X-G-E-N-U-S-A.com. And remember, in the coming weeks, we will be having many notable people that will be doing their own shows on the network, and I will be announcing more details about that as time gets closer. Uh, I do want to go uh, to Paul. Uh, Paul, you know, we, we, have, we have a little bit left, but I want to I wanna talk to you and you to explain to the audience about your, um, your, your business. You know, it's very, it's very fascinating stuff, and, you know, it's working well for you. Kind, kind of explain that to everybody. Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up in a, in a political household. Uh, you know, both my yeah. parents are very interested in politics. Uh, you know, right. some families watch football. You know, we 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 grew up watching Fox News and uh, debates. Me too. Uh, but I kind of got out of that. For, yeah. So I, I got out of that for a few years. Uh, I joined the military after high school. Um, lived in San Diego for for a while after that. Um, and it was it was around. Um, oh, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, maybe 2010 or something like that. But uh, I wanted to go shooting uh, and I, you know, I had a, I had a handgun and um, my, uh, well now ex-wife at the time, she brought up one of the gun laws about how I, you know, how I was supposed to transport my gun to the gun range. And it was just completely ridiculous. And I was like, are you serious? I was like, we have a second amendment in this country. How can they do that? And so I started looking into the California gun laws and I just kept getting really pissed uh, about what they were doing in that state. And um, it was shortly after that that I started Mainwashed. Um, and it started as a Facebook page. Uh, and, you know, we, we grew pretty, pretty quickly. We have over 60,000 followers on, on, on Facebook. And, yeah, um, well. you know, from there, it, yeah, it's doing pretty good. Um, although with the Facebook censorship, you know, our reach has been completely collapsed, especially since, uh, since just before the 2016 election. Uh, election. We we used to get millions of shares and stuff like that. And, and now it's, it's, it's pretty pathetic. So we're, we're primarily active on Twitter now. Um, and you can find me on both platforms at Mainwashed. Um, and then, you know, just recently, um, you know, we start, I started doing, uh, you know, daily YouTube videos and, and they're pretty short, mm-hmm. short clips uh, about one topic, usually one topic a day. Um, yeah. but it, it, I keep them short so that they fit on Twitter, but, uh, yeah, I was kind of inspired to, you know, just 
put my opinion out there besides just having, you know, the, the two pages and, uh, and then also the, the website, mainwash.com. It's a, a, a political news aggregator where you can get all your plays. Uh, but I was, I was just kind of inspired to, you know, just once a day go, go through Mainwash and find an interesting article and one that I could talk to for about two minutes. And uh, and just put something out there every day. So uh, that's that's pretty much what we've been doing. And, and the funny thing is, um, I said you know I've been more active on Twitter. You know we only have about I think you know just under twelve thousand followers on Twitter, but we get hundreds of more shares on Twitter than we do on on Facebook. It, it, the 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 Twitter conservative community is very strong. Um, it's pretty impressive. Which, which is kind of interesting too, because Twitter is cracking down on all of us uh, right now. There's all these people getting suspended and banned. We just got suspended a month ago. Uh, we had to file a complaint with the BBB to, to get our account back. Um, it's pretty insane, but you know we're we're out there trying to fight the good fight. Yeah, absolutely, man. Very very well said. And you know you're uh, you got a lot of different great videos that you put up and you make really good points and uh you know you definitely have the following man i mean you're uh you're definitely making a huge impact in the the activism field well we certainly try it it, it's my it would be my dream to retire from my day job and do this full time i'll tell you that oh i hear i hear you um I do want to take a quick – we do got to take another quick commercial, guys, because I didn't get all the commercials in. So we will do that real quick, and we will be right back. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, Please visit our website, getyourappbuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Please visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the -the behind-the-scenes production. 
everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back. Uh, we, we, do, we do have to close out the show. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time, but uh, I do want to have everybody say where uh, they can find them. So I'll start with um, Paul. Paul, go ahead. Tell everybody where they can connect with you at. And Paul, we'll get you back. We'll get you back uh, either sometime this week or early next week because we have a, a lot more to talk about for sure. Okay, sounds good. Um, yeah, you can visit my political news aggregator site at mainwatch.com. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. On I'm at mainwatched on both, and you can you can subscribe to my YouTube channel at youtube.com/mainwatched. Perfect, perfect. Uh, Dr. Branch, please tell everybody where they can find you. Yes, first of all, I think that they missed your hair, Rory. I think your hair is the number one hair in the political realm. But well, Thank uh, you, man. I appreciate follow, that. <laughs> they can find me on Twitter, at Bob Branch. That's B-O-B-B-R-A-N-C-H. Absolutely. Um, Daryl, Daryl, go ahead. Actually, actually not. No, actually, my bad. Uh, Bill, Bill, go ahead. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Super Elite Texan. Thanks for our good show. Thank you. Uh, now we got Daryl. Daryl, go ahead. A great show tonight, brother. Go to DarylKane2024.com. God bless you and your audience. We'll do it again soon. Take care. Thank you, man. Uh, Kevin, go ahead. You can find me on Facebook at Nationalist United or NationalistUnited.com. Great stuff. Can't wait for Thursday. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And uh, Mike Peters, Mike Peters in New York. Go ahead. Well, I feel a little bit slighted because I'm losing my hair, so I'm going bald. So I guess I don't count. I don't know if that's prejudiced against me now and people that are losing their no. hair. No. All right. Anyway, anyway, all right. That's a, but anyways, thanks again. And uh, you can find me here with you. We're always glad to be here. And yet another great show as usual. Wonderful, wonderful people that you had on tonight. Great. Great Thank job. you, man. I appreciate, I appreciate that, Mike. We'll see you Thursday. I want to I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. Uh it's been a fantastic show. Uh I want to thank all my guests, my audience, my co-hosts, and my sponsors. Uh you guys are all amazing. It just keeps getting better and better. Listen to in 23 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. Everyone Remember, in the coming weeks, I will announce the many notable names that will be doing their own show on my new media site, thenexgenusa.com. I want to, we had a huge show tonight, and we have another huge show planned for you on Thursday. I can't wait to be with all of you. Uh, until then, I'm Rory Sodder. Thank you for tuning in to the Rory Sodder Show. God bless everybody. Cheers. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.